Okay. <clears throat> so, getting rid of, dispelling, abandoning, wiping out of existence these evil, evil unskillful thoughts. <laughs> Remember the Buddha, Buddha is a warrior, the warrior class. Uh, warrior language. And I'd just like to just review again, mention again that my personal sense and conviction is that the mind is, is an energy base and uh, that's that's tangible, that's palpable it's receptive, extends beyond thinking and this extends it, uh, it's intuitive uh, it picks up the energies of other people of, of the general moods and dispositions of others without being that razor sharp just the feelings of disease or of trust or of okayness or of apprehensiveness or of sometimes just sense of everything seems absent you know um, it can feel driven it can feel comforted it can feel expanded it can feel shriveled mm. these are not the thoughts that can arise to define it that way but the sense of it is not a thought it's a sense it's not it's, much, it's not just an emotion it's somewhere another sense base another intuitive sense <clears throat> that's my personal conviction and um, it's, I've used this particularly because the sense of, of intending and directing the mind means you, you're actually using a particular resource using a particular resource and there's a, there's a there's an energy there that's required mm. like mind has an energy it's an energy body it needs the resources that keep that energy bright and keep it intact and develop it and thoughts and perceptions guide it direct it they don't necessarily provide it with that so what I feel that one of the feelings of rationales of samatha is to build up that resource and it's much more than a then when we do this we begin to kind of sense the whole rationale of restraint of guarding of not letting the mind's energy be dissipated into every thing every which way uh, so we're more discriminating what we put our intentions and energies into then you don't blow it, you're not losing it and my my sense my, is in, particularly in, in years of being with myself and with many other people is this energy body is radically uh, undernourished and often stressed and sometimes ripped up in human beings as mm. it pushed, they're forced beyond reasonable capacity of their of their resources and they do so so a lot of it running on willpower adrenaline caffeine so forth just to, and it rips 
rips apart the energy body or severely damages it, stresses it and there's no point in putting your foot on the gas pedal if there's no fuel in the tank mm. so you know before any, any kind of effort you have to find out what's there in terms of your resource and how to develop that when we determine striving we say my aim, my motivation is, is to release, to let go that's my, that's my aim, that's my intention that's what I'm moving towards today I will move one centimetre or I will not move back or if I do move back I'll try and move forward again you know it's like how fast and how far is, this, is the skill that you know for yourself in terms of your own energy body in terms of your own energy body when it's intact it will feel happy that means you may in fact be really pushing it but it's like a joyful stretch which you rather you know it feels a bit sort of stretched and you quite like it you know so stretching you it's nice you, in the stretch you feel a certain enthusiasm and vigour the stretch is your own motivation and if it's skillful you feel happy you feel confident this is right and you, you stretch but no that's, that's enough you know very often um, Westerners are, are working from ideas and ideals which are purely abstract so you place one of these things at, at, which are outside your energy your ideals and then you stick that out there and it has no gradation on it you don't say I'll be almost perfect there's only <laughs> perfect and imperfect <laughs> You say I'll be 50% perfect. So you, you know, it's a completely abstract notion. It's got no, it has no awareness of, what, of where you're at, of what your resources are, and yet we tend, we can easily operate from our ideals, and these things can just rip you apart. Doesn't mean you don't have any, but you said, okay, that's the idea. Now, that's the idea. Now, what, where, how do I rise to that? How do I move towards that? To me, this is the skill of right effort. That's my intention. That's my aim. How can this, what I've got here, move that way? And maybe the, the thing we always need to be reminded of in terms of following any kind of books, ideologies, teachings, or what I'm saying, what I really encourage all of you to know in yourself is how much is relevant for you now, how much can you do right now. Really, it's your, you're the only one who can know you. you. You're the only one who can really know that resource. Yeah. So that's your responsibility. And then, so your first thing is really get in, try to get in touch with that. Where you feel interested and where you feel enthusiastic, where you feel inspired, where you feel, and, you, and you also feel embodied. You know, it's a, it doesn't mean flesh and bones embodied, it means there's a sense of real substance, presence, and then you want to go for it, and you, you can stretch it. And you want to stretch it, you know, give it like you like to stretch in the morning when you get up, you know. doesn't mean rip yourself apart. <laughs> And that's, that's the way when you do, if you look at it in terms of physical exercise, you start off warming up, stretching it, 
you know, reaching a level, reaching a boundary, staying there for a little bit longer, and you know, as as you, as you enjoy it. So this, to me, is always the the the, the constant reminder. You know, an enjoyable stretch, or if you don't want to stretch, just an enjoyable. Because um, if it gets, if you stay with it too long, it becomes stale anyway. So it won't no longer be enjoyable; it'll just be sort of comfortable in a, in a rather complacent way. So it's nice to, to do some exercise. So then, you know, that's faith. That's that's the the body that's required for for motivation. You know, to have to have that. It's, it's, you can't, nobody else can say that you can't define it you get a gut feeling for it an intuitive feeling for it it certainly helps when you feel uh, appreciated you feel um, welcome you feel um, fun you feel playful you feel empowered all those perceptions definitely help it because you're taking away those negative programs that continue dumb you down or shut you down so and you try to re- fill your capacity. So that's, to me, that's that's really important to bear in mind. And what the Buddha could do, and what other people can do, great. You know, <laughs> I got a feeling that a lot of these people were not so driven and stressed as, as uh, we are. I don't think any of these were kind of, you know, rushing up, grabbing a cup of coffee, getting in the car, zooming off, getting into this kind of behaviors that continually you know rip your energy apart so you've got to bear this translate this into your own direct experience so having said such the Vitaka Santana Sutta which is the 20th Twentieth Sutta of the Majjhima Nikaya gives us the four ways of dealing with wiping out, dispelling, abandoning. And in your books, it's page twenty-one to twenty-three. Five ways. These are. I would suggest you might have heard some of these from your various meditation teachers. There, kind of repeated themes, storehouse of themes so if you, you get a sense, if you sense some thought or preoccupation is either directly harmful or just not going anywhere useful unskillful, just not, not, not actually helping anything it's just kind of redundant nittering of the mind um, you should, so, you should, you know, so attend to a particular theme, a particular topic that you're thinking about. Now you've got to see this suit is doesn't is not sitting on a cushion. It means walking around doing things. Your mind starts to get into a particular session or another about what you want or how dare they these kind of things. And then, so you attend to another another topic. It's basically, you know, just put that one aside. Use a small peg to knock out, drive out, and pull out a large one. The idea is 
something small, you know, just a flick, you know, just what, like a tap on the shoulder, like, don't bother with that, don't go there, you know, it's not worthy of giving it more juice. So that's the first way dealing with these distractions. And uh, that may help for a certain number of them. Personally, I try to myself just not think about anything I don't have to think about. (laughs) I've only got so much thought capacity. Why speculate? Why concern myself with this, that, and the other? Somebody else is doing that. You know, I trust them. That's fine. I don't have to think about it because I can more give more full attention to what is useful. So a lot of thought is just speculative meandering stuff that's just not doing going anywhere useful really so though it's not directly malicious or unpleasant it does mean you're using up a precious resource of mental energy you're you're dissipating your energy body around that and then if if, um, a certain number of these got a little more grip to them some of these thoughts got a little more kind of grip in them so you flick it and it just stays back or it doesn't move Mm. so wait a minute so then you consider the the emotional mood of the thought this this thought which as I say sankharas justify themselves so any thought has it's got its own rightness its own righteousness you say well even though you're right even though it's true and right we won't bother with that right how does it feel? it feels sour it feels bitter it feels kind of rabid it feels you know small and this is where a young woman or man the image is nice fond of adornment would be horrified humiliated and disgusted if the carcass of a snake or a dog or a human being were hung around from her neck. In the same way, evil, unskillful thoughts should be seen in such a way. Like, not. So I think there the porn bit is to identify with the beautiful woman rather than the unskillful thought. So rather than thinking, I am, I am a carcass, I am depraved, just thinking, this thing isn't, isn't good enough. This thing is not worthy of me. So you can see how their very important paradigm shift from being the thinker into being that which thought occupies. Thought hang, adorns me. Thought is not my core, my, my, you know, in, in nature, my form. It's an ornament. Yeah. And so what do you want to wear around your neck? A nice necklace? a garland of flowers or a dead dog (laughs) (laughs) so you think well why am I carrying this around you know put it down but if you kind of don't have that sense of how of your beauty you know your own dignity your own value this may be you know a little bit of the paradigm to work on then 
we tend to not have that feeling of of your own beauty so you know know, I deserve it (laughs) or uh, I can't be or we identify with our thoughts because a lot of emphasis gets placed upon how well you can think how good you are thinking people who can think and articulate are valued so there's this huge amount of identification with the thinking process Mm. so when that's the program then there's a tendency to really get identified with these adornments so when you see a dead dog my goodness I'm a dead dog I'm disgusting horrible thought horrible person I am having these horrible thoughts so you could actually come back to that's happening to me that's not you know innate comes and goes so kind of reflection Abe was one to slip out of it to put it down give it away chago mutti padinitsago is the terms that are used for the third noble noble truth give it away release it give it up and put it away you're bigger than this some of those little dead dogs they don't want to go away (laughs) so then pay no mind pay no attention to the thought so this is uh, use the word asati not mindful of it so sometimes when we get you know difficult thought patterns happening wow why am I thinking this where did this come from what's the point what's the you know is it because of my this or that or astrology social background food I ate what am I doing I'm thinking this thought where did I come from so we get engrossed in it perhaps in a thinking you know analysing it and he's saying well sometimes it's best just not to not to give it anything mm-hmm. not to give it any attention just like it's a so for this again it may be helpful to go from the thought process into the into the body sense you feel the vibe you know the quality of the embodiment experience the form when we're thinking mm-hmm. kind of so <coughs> can be slightly agitated constricted bowed down blown out so just don't don't go go to your healthy place mm-hmm. in the the other sutta the Dueda Taka Sutta the Buddha talks about the thinking process tiring the body so even good thoughts he says they tire you out uh, they, they do they do sap your energy so the Buddha was someone who's not fascinated with thoughts didn't see them as the main thing because they, they do they do tire you they strain so when you if you've got some experience of it and the mind doesn't think and you feel a lot more buoyant and when you start to think you can actually feel yourself tightening up like constriction occurs mm. little bit of um, technique when you're thinking try to 
focus on what's happening in your throat the floor of your mouth the tongue the eyes, the temple, the forehead if you actually deliberately loosen the throat floor of the mouth, the eyes particularly eyes, eye movement is often associated with thinking there can be a slight kind of crinkling around the eye organ itself and a tightening of the gaze or a scurrying of the gaze if you go kind of oceanic in your gaze and slightly stupid in the sense of <laughs> you know let your mouth be loose dribble a little bit <laughs> get that sense of going really loose in your head loosen up your forehead so as you know when you really want to think hard your forehead tightens up do exactly the opposite loosen as if you're undoing a bandana around your temples and your forehead your eyes it's really difficult to get a whole compulsive um, thought process going (laughs) (laughs) this is what we're doing we're actually undercutting this way the energetic basis of compulsive thoughts (coughs) and this is next one is really interesting Mm. it takes us back to Sankara's again if evil unskillful thoughts still arise still when you're paying no mind no attention you should attend to relaxing the thought fabrication the thought Sankara the Vajji Sankara the thought program with regard to those thoughts Mm. if he's attending to the relaxing of thought Sankara they will abandon and subside with abandoning he said as his mind unifies it now how is this so he gives an analogy to how this process would occur just as if you're walking quickly you say why am I walking so quickly why don't I walk slowly so you walk slowly then you think why am I walking so slowly why don't I stand so you stand thought occurs why am I standing why don't I sit down sits down thought occurs why am I sitting why don't I lie down in this way giving up the grosser posture he takes up the more refined one Um, here the use grosser refined Mm. so what this means is a kind of relaxing of that articulation capacity the energy of it so as we may very well notice some thoughts really trot out they really come galloping you know, so, so you'd rather than the, sort of like with a horse that's running away you just basically start to run alongside it and get, get a rein around it so, ok nice horsey, very good oh interesting thoughts there, why don't you just <laughs> take it more slowly so I can hear you, you know, so your thoughts which are running out are, I'm never going to do this and I shouldn't do that and I don't see why and I'm always, always up to me so rather than fighting with it you go, ok let's just say it more slowly so I never get my way that, oh I don't see why I should it's always up to, to me and nobody nobody appreciates me okay very good now take it more slowly so you get to nobody appreciates <laughs> I always have to <laughs> so what's happening is your, your, your sense of gearing to that thought you shift the gearing you're not fighting with it, disputing with it 
you shift the, the relationship, the gearing of that. As you start to shift the gearing, exactly what happens? You start laughing. <laughs> oh, maybe you start crying. <laughs> you know, laughing, you know, laughing, crying, or you just sigh. You go, oh, wow. Uh, so you, your, your, if you like, your energy body slips away from that thought fabrication. Yeah, you, sl- you just move away from it. An interesting experience when I was in India, walking in India, did this long distance walk for six months, and at one point. I remember we were walking along, we always getting walking, always get people would gather around us. So after a while it's got a bit tiresome, people gathering around asking, What's your name, where are you going? So forth, you know, fed up with this. So you start to walk a bit faster. <laughs> so you get away from the crowds, you know, they walk faster. Yeah. Uh, and at one time I was walking through a village and there's boys it was must have been the school break or something all these little lads got on their bikes and they were trailing us yeah. asking us questions as they were walking so he'd walk faster to get away they would just walk they would cycle faster so what we ended up doing was just walking so slow <laughs> that they couldn't <laughs> stay on their bikes <laughs> it's too slow so I think this is a useful analogy for how you operate with your own when your mind is nagging you yeah. and you can sense it just slow right down till your, your energy body sort of slips away from it without aversion without adding another program of aversion or contradiction or struggle so you just, just ease out of that slow down, soften widen you know, loosen these energetic movements of the energy of the mind you're dealing very with one of the basic ways in which Sankara manifests, they need energy to keep them going if you don't gear to their energy they don't get the food so you slip away Last kind of thought, dealing with it, is with regard to those thoughts, teeth clenched and tongue pressed against the roof of the mouth, beat down, constrain and crush his mind with his awareness. And it maybe it might be a stopgap measure also from when you're about to burst from thought to speech, just hold it. The other way, go take a walk, breathe in, breathe out. So it may 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 just put a uh, block in front of a really passionate rising up. It certainly will not uproot them, but it will stop them from creating further karma, further habits. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed when um, reading this one that I hadn't noticed before is the, in the analogy is the strong man um, 
the crushing happens with a strong arm, seizing a weaker man by the throat or shoulder. Yeah, if you make if you make your awareness stronger, not just stronger but bigger. Now, really interesting um, sutta that we won't go into today is in the Sangyutta. Okay, it's it's um, it's used the analogy of salt in the Ganges River. I think we touched on it yesterday. Actually, maybe three hundred. Angutra 399 was it? Anyway, what the Buddha is saying is um, he uses this analogy if you have a little bit of salt and you put it in, say, you know, a small cup of water, the water tastes salty. If you threw it into the Ganges River, it wouldn't affect it at all. So he's saying, just in this way, if you make your mind great, vast, then these kind of nidring poisons it just washes them away so the general theme is to make the mind vast, big and there's, a, there's an energy body there as well as an attitudinal thing and the mind is made vast through four Brahmavihara loving kindness, compassion appreciative joy uh, and equanimity and also through uh, jhana Samatha practices. The mind gets big. Those those two fundamental practices make the mind big, vast. So that you know the the various bits of flak that happen from external sources or from internal sources, just you don't you're, you're big enough to they don't they don't snag. And if you got that resource, then certainly you can just kind of bear down on stuff and just push it away you know or if you like again the analogy you follow the big current of your mind the little kind of eddies and whirls in it the main current is this you come out of the narrow view of I don't see why I should do this every day or whatever into the big view of look you know <laughs> don't, don't get caught in the detail and see the main current moving towards awakening mm. so that's using this development of, of chitta, of awareness widening, strengthening enriching the very you know I use the word tentatively but the very form or the very substance of, of chitta mm. And this is where you know all the psychic powers come from this this domain it's always through this domain where you know all these psychic powers so it does seem to have a real you know can have an effect on the material plane or on developing things like telepathy and clairvoyance and so forth it seems that the mind can reach out across space and time and pick up things that we don't hear through our ears not necessary for liberation but interesting to give two thoughts to and then let go of 
Is there any more questions? Cessation of thought formations? No, one more thought formation. <laughs> yeah. Brahma practice and jhana practice are the ways to make it not like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a suggestion for a particular kind of Brahma practice? All of them. <laughs> In due course. Um, maybe, maybe equanimity and appreciative joy. These two. Appreciative joy is about to see the good, appreciate it, feel gladdened by it in yourself and in others. You know, any little bit of goodness, you pick it up and delight in it, in yourself and in others. Helps for the, the critical mind, you know, the, the fault finding mind. The mind's always concerned, worried about problems. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are problems, but also look at look at rejoicing. You know one's degree of health, one's degree of sanity, one's uh, <laughs> things of this nature, one's degree of wisdom, one's degree of purpose, you know, and see it in others. That's really helpful. It takes away the sort of smallness of the mind. And equanimity um, means we're not so, we don't react so strongly to the ups and downs. And you know, if you like, we're all carrying programs so they're, they're still heaving and bucking uh, <laughs> just on a physical level, energetic level as well as on an emotional level and then we're in, we're in touch with stuff that is stirring on a kind of very almost sensory level, so part of your system is always going up and down and then equanimity is you've got enough space to say that's, that's just stuff coming up and down you know, it doesn't mean trying to hold everything into some flat state but it's a very big space where we can allow and not react not create more programs around this this movement and in oneself in others you see people are going through their stuff their ups and their downs their joys and their defilements you know and you give, give it space so those two are very helpful hmm. so it sounds like you're suggesting uh, cultivating attitude rather than sitting with may I be well make so-and-so be well you know in ten directions or you know specific kind of wrong in heart well you can you can cultivate it cultivate deliberately by reflecting on how you assess yourself or how your day's been the high points, the low points, you can cultivate deliberately like that Um, so it's a deliberate cultivation of it even setting up those measurements is useful, so they're they're there in the script there is such a thing as (laughs) you know, it's a value it's a deep, it's a value, it's a deep value so that rather than how can you get something done you know, which may be a kind of ingrained thing for most of us. How do you get something? How do you make something better? How do you be? <laughs> you have the value of how do you become more equanimous? <laughs> how do you develop equanimity towards it? So that's there. 
So if, you, if, those pro, if that particular piece of is deliberately encouraged through, might say, set exercises, then it's something that is available for your use. The mind knows it in the day. You know, here, we, here looks things going out of control. Let's hit the equanimity button for a while, see how things look from that, that perspective. Mm. Reactive. Reactive. It can be constricted. Um, so you see the refrain that's used in the Brahma Vihara. If you look at it in your in your chanting book, it says something like abundant, um, vast, uh, lift, uplifted, boundless to others as to myself. So if you look at the opposite of those, impoverished constricted <laughs> you know mean or small and uh, always seeing things in terms of me or you you know so the, the 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 mind that's not reaching into that potential is small constricted and so it's that's set up for need anxiety you're already creating a ground for those things to breed so they Sankara justify themselves so once you're in that all those programs seem utterly true and real and, and justifiable and they start to think in terms of my deal and I deserve and she does and he doesn't you know it's kind of smallness of mind uh, and they feel kind of constricted your mind hasn't got much scope it tends to get lost in details um, it's got no intuition no imagination it's tight so let's stop for today thank you